I made a clap. Um, hello, Rise Tarnished, and welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast, episode 125. We're recording on Wednesday, February 23rd, 2022, the day the Elden Ring reviews dropped. And you're listening to us probably on Friday, the 25th, Elden Ring Day. Um, this is Chris at the Salty Stern on Stern uh, to give out my old dead <laughs> handle uh, for Twitter that I think I deactivated. Um, today I'm joined by James Halliday, aka the Lord of BLP Entertainment. James, how you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing great, especially knowing that when people are listening to this, we'll all be playing Elden Ring. Indeed, I, I've uh, you know. I peruse Twitter uh, to kill time, but also to put the show together and um, just the memes and conversation of, wow, February 2022, what a month, what a month in games to go down in history, you know, with Horizon Forbidden West back to back with Elden Ring in weeks. It's hard to wrap your head around how people have time to play both because I certainly, if I even could play Horizon, I mean, I guess technically I could get on PS4. I, I don't know how people do it, uh, especially based off of some of the early reviews coverage I've heard about uh, maybe how misleading the 30-hour mark that was going around for Elden Ring's completion time was. Uh, but we can jump into that later in the news. Um, first, we're going to kick it off with the lowdown. If you want to be a part of the conversation or if you have a pressing question that you want us to weigh in on, you can reach us on Twitter at MNGamersPodcast. If you don't use Twitter, you can send us an email in the good old-fashioned way to podcast at MostlyNormalGamers.com. That's our website. It's out of date, but go check it out anyways because uh, we just love people to see our, our beautiful, handsome mugs over there. Um, feel free to sign up for the Mostly Normal Monthly newsletter that is still on hiatus, even though I promised a Game of the Year edition. Uh, that is over at mngamers.substack.com where you can find the 12 back issues of it uh, that I'm generally pretty proud of. Uh, and, you know, feel free to, to subscribe and maybe one day another one will show up in your email inbox. And finally, we have a brand new, although it's probably <laughs> months old at this point, voicemail box. Um, I think we had it back when I lived at my old apartment, so that is actually months old. Um, that's 507-291-2991 if you want to get your voice on the show. Uh, give us a review of a game you're playing. Give us just a mostly normal question or random comment about stuff you're seeing in the news. We'd love to include you in the show. With that, I see one very big game on your playlist here, James. What have you been playing? Well, I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West. <laughs> it's this is the month. This is the month of James tortures his family by <laughs> ignoring them and only playing video games, especially massive open world games, which are really, to be honest, these aren't the typical games that I like to play. However, I Horizon really clicked with me. I absolutely loved it. And uh, you know what? I, I'm loving it now. I'm loving the new one. It's just, it's taken so much of the first game and made it just that little bit like better. Like all the quality of life stuff has been just wonderful. The I, I can't believe how much time I'm wasting 
uh, in, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I don't know. I can't believe how much time I'm wasting just sitting in photo mode, which just, it blows my mind. I love it. Well, and it, it seemed like, and obviously this is me from afar. I think I played five hours of the first horizon, um, and, uh, kind of bounced off of it. But um, obviously, I don't have a PS5, and I guess, as I said, I could be playing it on PS4, but I'm not. Um, it looks like they really put a lot of work into the photo mode in that game. Oh, it's so it's so good. It's it's. I mean, it's no. I feel like Insomniac's photo mode was is better, but it's just so easy to jump, like pause, jump in, and just like start tinkering immediately, and. Uh, there, there are like some. I have noticed some glitches while in my playthrough, but the va like none of my glitches have ever detracted from the great game in like a serious way. Uh, it's not like I compare it a lot to my Cyberpunk uh, playthrough. When Cyberpunk came out, I I played it on release on the PS5, and it was just an absolute nightmare to play. I think I managed to finish the game. But it crashed possibly once every hour. Oh my gosh! Um, it was it was brutal, and um, there was so many like just weird pop ins, weird things. I do notice like weird glitches now and again, and while playing Horizon Forbidden West. But uh, for the most part, uh, it's like oh whatever. Like occasionally you'll see like animals pop in that weren't there and you're like oh oh <laughs> weird pop ins and then uh i know another one i actually captured a video of it of i'm just riding over a like hill towards a town and i just <laughs> i notice a man appear in the sky and then fall into place and i'm like well <laughs> that's uh, one, that's one kind of pop in <laughs> yeah i was like oh that that poor man um but oh, other than that man. like it's it's been playable, right? Like I've like the odd glitch here and there, but it's been completely playable and it's, it's not in any way detracted from the experience and it still looks gorgeous and plays pretty smooth. My only complaint, and I've been uh, a little vocal about this to a few people, but my only complaint is that there are, are essentially four button combinations to jumping. Really? And it, it if there's, you push X to jump. You push X and X to um, do a grappling hook. You push X and square to use your hang glider. And then you push X and circle against a wall to either do a wall jump or leap off a cliff when you're climbing. So it's just like one of like the the amount of button pushes. I just feel like it could have been so much simpler. And, and it, I find myself context sensitive or something. Yeah. At least for maybe for the wall jump or something yeah. like that. But like, I just feel like it could have been just a little bit like tweaked a little bit because it just feels like there's so many different button combinations that I'm fumbling whenever I'm in a heated moment. But oh, at the end of the, <laughs> at the end of the day, it, I, I've gotten used to it. It's just, it, it's every once in a while I have to stop and think like just when I'm getting ready to do a big jump off a cliff, I have to stop and go X and then square. Oh <laughs> no. It, yeah. <laughs> instead how, of like, how, how many hours into the game are you? Uh, Ooh, that's a good question. 
I want to say not that far, but I'm going to probably say at least 12 to 15. Okay. I'm, yeah. It sounds like some of that stems from the new mechanics they've added with the glider and the grappling hook and those things. Yeah. Um, Are, other than maybe like (laughs) needing to double, you know, double think or second guess yourself. Uh, before doing them are they fun do they add a lot to the experience of playing horizon no i don't i don't well i they are fun i don't think they they change things like drastically the glider is like holy hell why i can't believe we didn't have this before it's so funny looking back at horizon and thinking like we we didn't have a glider like (laughs) that just didn't wasn't there and it came out the same time as um Breath of the Wild, which essentially had a glider and the thought of uh, having a very vertical game and no glider just kind of like baffles me. But Mm. uh, yeah, the glider feels like second nature. It takes a little while to get it. You don't start with it, which is uh, I I don't think it's a bad thing. I think I like the little explanation of how it works. Um, But uh, the grappling hook is very situational. It's only in certain spots it can be used. So I don't think it's not like Halo Infinite. You're not just grappling hooking around and and whipping yourself um, through the trees or anything like that. You are uh, you're kind of like picking your your. You have to. There's a designated spot, so you have to decide if oh I'm gonna grapple hook. I'm gonna do this right. So it's mm-hmm. it makes sense where all all their positions are. Um, it does feel a little backwards, but at the same time, I feel like it's styling itself into as a specific type of game, and it's not uh, it's not super stressful on like mobility in the sense that you want to be like whipping around the battlefield. It's more about picking and choosing your moments, setting up the scenarios that you want. This is why Aloy uses like traps, uh, stealth, and different hunting mechanics like you you you're like coaxing your uh these machines into specific locations so you can set up the perfect um essentially sabotage on them mm-hmm. so i feel like it works better with her playstyle to have it this way um yeah anyway i've just been completely absorbed the story has uh it's it's taken a turn that I was not expecting, but I'm actually really excited about. So oh, cool. it's it's definitely a huge shift from the last game, and I'm uh, I'm really enjoying yeah I'm really enjoying the characters. Uh, some of the old char- like old favorites are back. Aaron, I absolutely love Aaron. He's an he's just like the bumbling buffoon who's lovable, but he wears his heart on his sleeve a little too openly and he just he constantly sets himself up for getting hurt and it's I, I just love him but they've added some new characters that I've also fallen in love with so it's 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 a good uh it's a good cast so far awesome yeah glad yeah. to hear you're loving it um I'm excited to see how it shakes out with uh the oncoming storm that is Elden Ring this week oh, I feel so uh, bad for it it's 2017 all over again because it is, the first the first game came out and then a week later another massive open world game that just got like 
insane reviews is is releasing i don't think yeah yeah, it's right around the corner i think the nice thing is elden ring is it's a niche kind of uh genre so it doesn't have the same i don't think it's going to have the same impact i think i don't think it's really going to affect horizon do you think the only thing will it's going to divide the discourse on the games so yeah i i look back at that 2017 era and say well a lot of people who have a switch maybe didn't have a ps4 i mean ps4 was further into its life cycle at that point than the switch was right yeah um and and vice versa i and so for me it's like wow like everybody gets to eat you know it's like those memes of like people just feasting on food and yeah all these open world games and so you know with with elden ring being multi-platform i think it's maybe more of like a competition but i i agree that it's uh it's an acquired taste and now that i've acquired the taste i like can't wait for it but like i know plenty of people who are like ah i mean i used to be a person who was like that's a from software game i will never buy it (laughs) why would i spend my money on something that's going to do that to me like literally that was my my thought and feeling um and it was actually only through um games with gold i think had um the original 360 version of dark souls one uh as a games with gold and that's like the only reason i checked it out was because i was like well i literally have it for free yeah and i bounced off it hard at first anyways i could talk about FromSoft all day so um, could i <laughs> which is coming up soon but uh any other last thoughts on horizon before we check out some of the stuff i'm playing uh, yeah, I'll just say that if you're considering picking it up or you're thinking about it, if you liked the first one, it's just more of the first one and better. And like, so it doesn't change up the formula too much. It it's just smoother. It's prettier. And the the world just the I find there's a lot more monsters uh, to fight and it's much more interesting encountering them uh than in the first one so i i would just say that if you like the first one this is a it's a must play if you if you weren't hot on the first one or it was just another open world for you then i would say it's it's at best it's it pick it up if it's on sale but you're not you're not losing out if you don't care for the first one yeah i I have the first one installed because it was part of that free games push um, that Sony so generously did during uh, mm. lockdown in I think 2020. Yeah. Um, so I have you know the the game of the year edition with the Frozen Wilds expansion installed and and I've thought about revisiting it, especially now that I'm back to using my PS4 because of Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, it, it's crossed my mind to maybe give it a second chance and like go into it with more. I mean, I went to do into it with an open mind the first time, but uh, yeah. go into it knowing that like, maybe I'll have some friction with it, but I've also played a bunch of different games that maybe I'll make me enjoy it better. Um, Can I tell you a funny story about the frozen wilds DLC? Please do. So before I, I played horizon, um, uh, I, I, <laughs> I was interested in it, but it wasn't like a big selling point. I heard it was good. Uh, 
And then I saw it on sale and it was like 20 bucks. And I was like, I can't even, I can't put this, like, I can't pass this opportunity up. So I dropped the money and I bought the digital copy for 20 bucks. And I I installed it and then I go to play it. And guess what? It won't run. It will not run. And I can't figure it out for the life of me. And then I realized I, in my haste to not pass up this opportunity, (laughs) I did not realize that I had only purchased the DLC Frozen Wilds for Horizon Forbidden West. That's that's (laughs) catastrophe. Oh man, that just makes my whole, I feel that viscerally because that is a, a Chris move right there for sure. That's something <laughs> that uh, I would end up doing. Um, so was it was it still as good of a deal? It was still on sale, so at least you weren't out money, or did you mistake the fact that it was twenty dollars for it being on sale when it, in fact that was just the price of the expansion? That I, yeah, I think there was a sale going on, and I did end up getting Horizon, but it did end up costing me pretty much the full price of a game. So in the end, I just paid full price for Horizon for and uh, <laughs> and the Frozen Wilds expansion. But oh, okay. but to be fair, I ended up really enjoying it and loving the game. So it was worth it in the end. It was a bit of a God damn it, why didn't I slow down and just read something for a goddamn minute? <laughs> There's no time, you must game. <laughs> um, yeah. well, speaking of reading, uh, most people read words, and uh, <laughs> now that it's way past its heyday, um, I've finally gotten into playing Wordle. Oh, nice. Um, my sister, I saw my sister at a breakfast with my folks the other weekend, and she goes, Oh, Chris. Are you playing Wordle? Me and mom and and our other sister, we're all playing Wordle. Um, And I go, no, like it's been all over my feed and I just, I don't really have the bandwidth for another daily activity. I already do um, daily Sudoku through good Sudoku and um, yada, yada, yada. And she just goes, oh, you just have to try it once. Just try it once. Um, And uh, I tried it once and now I am in a 12 or 13 person family group chat of us all playing Wordle and submitting our scores every morning uh, called the Wordle Lizards. Um, And we've actually started adding like friends to the group too. So it's really ballooned. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I enjoy it. It's fun. Um, I'm kind of adding like an extra layer of, I don't know if it's challenge, but it's an extra layer to it where I've decided I'm going to use uh, the word from the previous day as my starting word for the next day. Oh um, yeah. Which I just think I'd originally started just using the same word every time I decided, Oh, arise must be an amazing starting word because it has so many vowels and common letter S and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, um, I've now pivoted to, I don't know if it's more challenging, uh, when there's double letters it's more challenging but yeah uh, anyways i don't want to talk forever about wordle i just have been having fun with it and it's uh, a nice thing to have to kind of connect with family and like i think it's cool that that was kind of the the origins of the game too with him making it for his wife so yeah um, been loving that um other phone game i'm checking out is uh the chess.com chess app oh yeah uh, I'm awful at chess. I'm trying to learn to be better at it. And uh, a childhood friend of mine uh, 
really loves chess and has been challenging me nonstop. And so uh, he's been kicking my ass so badly that my ranking dropped from like a thousand or whatever they started at to like 188 because he's ranked a thousand and I just keep losing to him. Um, but I am on that edge of like wanting to look up strategy videos or like learning videos. And I've like followed two YouTubers that have been recommended to me as like how to learn chess, but I've not watched any of their videos because they're all like 40 minute long. Oh. Videos. Um, but we're on the precipice of getting really into chess. Um, the two big ones, which I think I kind of have hinted at on Twitter and been talking about on Twitter, um, both stemmed out of the last time we recorded together when uh, I finally started playing Bloodborne, even though I've had it on my shelf for uh, about two years. Um, and I uh, picked up Pokemon Arceus because I just couldn't resist any longer. <laughs> um, and without like overdoing the comparison, I think like what good pairing of games they make like Arceus, like while more challenging than and maybe more stressful than most Pokemon games, if I can be honest, like is still a happy go lucky walk in the park where I'm chucking Pokeballs at the backs of all of these monsters that I adore and catching them and, um, just having a, a lovely time meeting all of the kind of cute characters in the game. Um, but I then can pivot to Bloodborne where <laughs> I think there was a day where I like was like, oh, like I bet I could play some more Bloodborne. And like I chose not to because I felt a sense of dread in my heart. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> like um, to use a Pokemon analogy, Bloodborne's been doing like psychic damage to me for the last two weeks That's... while I've been playing it. <laughs> And it's so funny because my first my first experience with Bloodborne was like just absolute excitement. I think like I don't know if it's I know a lot of people have had issues with the uh, the textures being so wet and mm. a lot of the grotesque features of the monsters in in Bloodborne are like insect like or uh, snake like and. And a lot of people have phobias of that, right? So mm -hmm. there's a lot to like unpack with actual like phobias. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I know a lot of people are like uncomfortable by Bloodborne more so than even Dark Souls. But uh, for me, it was just I, I don't know, every time I just couldn't wait to play more Bloodborne. And, and don't get I, me wrong, I'm so in that camp. Like, yeah. I, um, I think I retweeted uh, someone on Twitter and, and uh, they had made a, a post like girls don't want to work they just want to play Bloodborne all day and I retweeted it saying <laughs> um, girls don't like boys girls like playing Bloodborne <laughs> like yeah. it's it's just like uh, it it amazes me the degree to which the design ethos of basically being a cheerleader saying be aggressive be aggressive yeah like, completely changes the way you approach a souls game when you're forced to take that aggressive stance and think about it that way and like mm -hmm. even just cursorily like it seems like they 
take that approach and like apply it to all of the functions that are like what we now call a Soulsborne game, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know the degree to which like that's different than Sekiro, but I think of Sekiro almost as like stealth and defense um, because of like how much you rely on the block button in in that game. Oh yeah. Um, and so like I don't know. I I figured out the parry timing of some of the enemies. Um, I think I've beaten. I just finished Hemwick Channel Lane, um, which I I really enjoyed the ambiance of um, the barn sequence was so unsettling like i just like saw it and i was like i don't want to go in this barn <laughs> yeah i just don't like why why am i going in this barn it's pitch black yeah um, and um the the highlight of playing the game for me has been um there's a, a podcast series that's been going on for a really long time called um bonfire side chat um oh. it's a spinoff of a podcast called watch out for fireballs um, and when I was like really getting into Dark Souls and Sekiro um, last year, I, I was kind of looking for like, oh, like where's some good criticism or like really like meaty conversations about these games? Because I was just obsessing over Dark Souls. I was like, oh, it's like so cool. Like I want to know everything about it. Um, and they do episode by episode playthroughs um, of those games and discuss them with community members or other people in the press Um talking about their favorite sections of the game. Um, and so I've been able to kind of listen to some of the Dark Souls one, like basically after having beaten Dark Souls or when I was like very close to the end of Dark Souls. But um, with this, I've been going um, section by section. And then as I finish an area, I'll listen to the episodes relating to it, um, which has been really cool because it, it kind of helps draw out some of that maybe harder to discern lore or story stuff that you should be paying attention to um in a really clear way which i think is helpful um but i'm it's one of those things like when you first played the game did you think of it as like the werewolf game like is that when you were initially going into it when you first got it no i think like what i i looked at it as like oh it's like this um sort of gothic horror elements but then as i got into it i i'm i very swiftly i kind of understood that we're looking at a um lovecraftian sort of world like there's very clear ties to uh like the lovecraft sort of storytelling even uh i mean like without the blatant racism but it's uh <laughs> it's it's something that like i i, I really like lovecraft's like the like stories, even though I don't like Lovecraft's writing, if that makes sense. And this is yeah. just another way to kind of experience that sort of, uh, I guess, genre w within a game that is a, a series that I love. So it's like learning all of the lore, learning all about like the blood ministration and the healing church and and learning about Bergenworth. And, and I just thought like every aspect of this game, every time I found something new, I was even more excited. Like it just more fascinated. And then like the mechanics they have going on in the world, it was a lot more, it, it's like very swiftly stopped being about werewolves in my mind. Like, I think the first time you see like one of those giants, I like 
I was like, okay, there's there's something more to it than oh, the church, the church giants like outside yeah. of the, in the cathedral ward. Yeah. And I... it's just like, okay, I'm I'm starting to understand that it's not just beasts. There's something more to it. And I knew there was there was going to be an element of that because I just didn't feel like the whole game could have supported the yeah stood on the the shoulders of this the beasts right especially with all beasts being weak to fire it just seemed like it's like there's more to it yeah yeah um i i think i think like the discourse had kind of said like oh like it's a it's a cosmic horror story and the the werewolf stuff is kind of just like a a mask covering it up um, and so I, like, it's kind of like I had that sort of spoiled for me, but, um, it's still been interesting to kind of piece together the ways in which they make it that kind of cosmic horror. Yeah. Um, and so like, I think the insight system and the way that as you gain insight, it like changes what enemies are appearing and things like that is like really fascinating to me. Or um, what you I, see. Right. Well, and so I revisited the cathedral ward after hitting like, I'm at like 20 insight or 19 insight right now. Yeah. And all of a sudden these characters, um, I think they're like church goers or something like that. I don't know the name of the characters, but um, the guys with the hats and the white faces and the yeah. white coat, cloaks and the uh, they have a cane that they gesture at you. Um, kind of like a Resident Evil 4 villager going, Un Forestero! Um, <laughs> yeah. but um they were my favorite enemies to parry because it was like almost impossible not to get the parry <laughs> yeah um and then all of a sudden their lanterns are covered in eyeballs and shooting ghost spirits at me and messing me up and this guy's giant scythes covered in glowy aura and shooting energy beams at me and stuff or oh, yeah. fire or something and i was like what the hell happened here and why do i hate it now and it's funny because like the more the more insight you have, the more uh, access, I guess, like to like the story and understanding of what's going on. But also the game gets harder the more insight you have. And it, I don't know. I love the the play between like, do I want to get this insight? Do I want to know? Right. It's like, like right. that crave of knowledge. Right. And that's a Lovecraft stories have always been about that, like. It's reaching too much into get, getting too much knowledge is incredibly dangerous. And sort of that sort of like that, that tongue in cheek play in the game, having a mechanic built around it. That's what I've always like respected the Dark Souls series about, because in Dark Souls, they have the mechanic of hollowing. And it's what somebody is doing, like essentially hollows are undead people, people that continuously do the same thing over and over and they die and then they come back to start that area over and they do it again and they die and eventually it gets to a point where they hollow out they be they have they lose the will to be and so mm. they just become these husks that continuously do the same thing and i'm not talking about the players i'm talking about the npcs you walk around the world there's under like these like skeleton boys or these ghouls and and they just keep doing the same thing like if you respawn the area they're back in the same spot ready to do the exact same thing and attack you and defend the area and and uh you're the the concept of it is those are people that have hollowed and, and when a player and their like yeah ability to push forward and then as i think what you're gonna say here is like yeah 
don't you don't go up like you shouldn't go hollow you shouldn't give up and like fall into the trap of a repetitive yeah play right and and so well and it's not even that i think it i take it a step further the people who give up on uh, on dark souls they have experienced what the hollows experienced they've mm-hmm. they've given up on that strive of to get through it all right so they have themselves have become hollowed. It's almost like the game is, is taking a step further and being, uh, it's very Kojima like, right? Like the, the idea of like trying to blend the real world experience of playing the game with what's going on in the real, in the, in the game. And it's something that I absolutely love. And same with Bloodborne is this idea of the more you crave the knowledge of the game and get the insight, the more, it gets more it gets more challenging and dangerous and mm-hmm. but you also you so like the danger of too much knowledge is is present in the game itself that's oh wow beautifully articulated that's why we have you on the show to, to lay <laughs> things out in a way that i just couldn't possibly do <laughs> um with that uh, and speaking of from software games i think it's time to jump into the news. It's the news. So the the first item of business, mostly because it is review day, is uh, an Elden Ring review roundup uh, from Steve Watts over at Game. But I always I need to slow down because I always screw that up. Um, and so, uh, James, these Elden Ring reviews sure are strong, huh? Yep. <laughs> I uh, I haven't seen so many tens uh, in a very like it's not even like I expected out of the the odd blockbuster game, right? But Elden Ring is a souls game it's a from soft game and it is essentially a uh widely regarded as kind of like only like elite players play it which is i think is disgusting Uh, anybody Mm -hmm. can play these games uh or should be allowed to play them i know accessibility is a major problem with the souls games and i'm really i had my fingers crossed that this this game would be a little bit better from what i've read the accessibility is still uh, kind of sitting in the past. However, a lot of people who aren't familiar or aren't, aren't huge fans of the Souls games have been reviewing them and giving them good reviews. So, unless you're talking oh, about Tamur Hussein, who's like a a god tier oh, Souls fan, <laughs> it's so funny because Tamur is the person's review, the person whose review I look to immediately because. I know his stance on souls. I know how he feels about the Souls series and it, it most accurately reflects like my love for the series. Mm-hmm. I will like, so he was like the first person that I, I was like, I want to hear his take on it because I feel like if he is down on this game, like he's like, this is a good game. I'll feel, I'll feel very confident about it too, because I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a huge open world fan. I prefer, I love the dark souls being, very like uh labyrinthine in their level design but like it all made sense and every 
area flows into itself, but it didn't need sprawling open fields. It didn't need a massive um, world map, right? You slowly just kind of progress through these uh, very Dungeons and Dragons-esque dungeons, right? <coughs> Dark Souls 1 feels open world to me, though, in the way that everything <clears throat> is connected to it. Like, it, and- it's all connected. It, and I'm so curious, because when you talk about the labyrinthine level design, like, the level design in Dark Souls 1 just, like, breaks my brain. It's one of the best level designs I've ever seen. It's just the way the world fits together. And people, have you seen, people have done like these 3D models or paint images of the entire world of Dark Souls 1 and how it all connects to itself. And it's incredible looking at these maps. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I agree, like the Dark Souls 1 nailed it. Dark Souls 2, if you look at Dark Souls 2, and I know it's the it was the B team that worked on Dark Souls 2, and I feel bad because I always slag it, but it's 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 not a terrible game, it's just not the best Dark Souls. And uh, but you look at their map, and their map is disjointed and broken up, and it doesn't have the charm that Dark Souls 1 had. And uh, so I, I felt it yeah, I felt what you're saying. Like it it had its own openness despite not being open world. It had its um, just these massive areas that you could go to and uh, the dark root basin being one like large, like twisting, like it's almost like you're climbing through, like you are climbing through trees, but like next, then you're, you can climb down a waterfall and it's a whole nother section. It's just, I, I love it. And I'm so curious to see how the detailed interconnectedness that I love so much from, I would say, primarily Dark Souls 1, and I'm starting to see it in the way Bloodborne's levels kind of overlap on these shortcuts and and, um, how there's kind of like, it seems like most areas you have like one lantern, which is the bonfire checkpoint equivalent. And then you have to like really earn your path back to it or your shortcut from it. Um, and those levels and areas so far seem like they all really like tie together in that way that I found so appealing in Dark Souls 1 um, in a way that I don't even think they do in Sekiro, honestly. Um, and so I'm curious to see how they or if they are able to bring that almost like it's like a knot it's like a, a piece it's one piece of string but it was tied into a beautiful knot that like you had to work your way through and i'm wondering and hoping that those are things that show up in some of the design of this open world uh, yeah. take on on their formula um i have not been reading so many reviews i i listened to um the kind of funny review podcast while i was working today but um i I'm so curious to like dig into some of this, you know, I've been saving them. Um, I'm especially excited to read uh, Waypoint's review and, and listen to Waypoint Radio's discussion of the game because I, I uh, in the same way that you value uh, Tamor's take on the game, um, it was really listening to Waypoint Radio, um, especially when Austin Walker was there, um, and listening to the way that those hosts just like gushed over the games that really like helped me find my way in and my desire to get into the games. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm most excited to kind of hear that discussion on their, 
uh, their Friday pod. Um, and I, I always recommend people start listening to to Waypoint Radio because I think they have some of the most insightful discussion about games coverage. Um, but with that being said, uh, a plethora of 10 out of 10s, um, Polygon calling it both their most approachable and most difficult uh, uh, FromSoft game, I think, is what their uh, headline is. Elden Ring is from software's best, most approachable, and difficult game yet. <laughs> Which almost seems like a uh, contradiction, but um, oh my god, this dragon looks so cool in their header. Um, anyways, I, I'm... I could like feel the excitement for Elden Ring bubbling up in my stomach, which is why I started Bloodborne when I did. And it yeah. was a mistake. I should have waited. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But that's okay. It's... We've uh we've we're we're feasting, let me tell you. We're feasting. <laughs> well, and like my stance having only come to these games years and years and years after they've been played is like they always seem to have some sort of patch, you know, and or, or several patches changing things. And um, I, one last thing on the subject of Elden Ring, I've okay. never had the opportunity to play a Souls game as a Souls fan as the Souls game is hitting the internet and hitting people's game pads for the first time. Right? Ooh. I've never been in this moment. And I feel like if I stick to Bloodborne, I'm depriving myself of the opportunity to experience what it is like to jump into a Souls game on day one when everyone is lost. There is there is a joy to it. There is like this sense of wonder because you can't just jump on the internet and find the answer. You're like bouncing the like of course there's always the like the the review sites that or the um the sites that have walkthroughs and stuff like that and they've all pre-written their walkthroughs and stuff but there's so many like little bit tidbits of information that haven't yet been discovered and it's like when uh they did demon souls and they essentially the game was untouched it was just demon souls uh slightly with a with a facelift and uh some nice little tweaks here and there but they did add one door that what didn't exist in the original Demon Souls. Mm. And the internet was insane going off, like f- trying to figure out how to open it. And there's one item that wasn't like typically found in, in Demon Souls. And its drop rate was so low. And people were trying to figure out ways to get them and how to find them. And it was just crazy to be a part of that that moment right and as somebody who's played demon souls on the original ps3 when it first launched or just just after it launched i got it i i think i mentioned before i i, I got it at a walmart bargain bin mm-hmm. but so D- demon soul or dark souls hadn't yet released it was just releasing when i picked up demon souls and and so it's my my experience with it has been uh pretty I, I've been pretty used to experiencing uh, the Souls games at their launches, but there's nothing like that first playthrough when everybody is is running around blind. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, I as much as I want to say just finished Bloodborne, 
I, I'm going to be your devil's advocate and say, you really got to do it. You got to play Elden Ring. <laughs> Every time I have a conversation with you, I end up spending money on video games, James. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but, um, God, I could go on forever. I think to close out the brand new, like the, the experience of playing it fresh when there isn't that information um, and, uh, you know, credit where credit is due. This is uh, kind of a thing that, uh, the bonfire side chat folks say, but like in Dark Souls, knowledge is power. Knowledge is your strength, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me as a player coming way late to these games and having all of these resources, I'm drawing on all of this strength that wasn't available to everyone else in order to make my way through the game. Yeah. Um, and so I'm so curious, like how much harsher the world will feel <laughs> when I don't have this uh, plethora of wikis and youtube videos and podcasts to dig into um but the beauty of it is i I have you and i have some other friends who may be playing the game and that sense of community would still be there and we could all join in it that way right yeah absolutely anyways god damn this game looks cool anyways um (laughs) speaking of cool looking games moving on we are going to talk a little bit about the announcement of street fighter 6 uh, which got announced this Monday. Uh, and over at IGN, uh, Taylor Lyles and Joe Scrubbles uh, write, Street Fighter VI controversial logo could be a modified stock image. <laughs> Have you heard or seen any of the Twitter scuttlebutt about the Street Fighter VI logo? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, can I just say that that logo is just that... such It's such a sterile... Uh, minimalist like s- style that everybody's going towards, and I I hate it so much. Like it's oh, good I... in certain contexts, but I just I get so sick of seeing every company rebranding with this sort of bland, super yeah. yeah, super clean, super like a local brewery where I live. Uh, they're Vancouver Island Brewing, and they had this like really cool vintage-looking logo with an orca whale shooting out of the water, and like it looked like those old beer labels. And they've mm-hmm. changed to almost identical this Street Fighter logo, except for instead of SF, it says VI in it, and it just drives me nuts because they had this really cool logo, and now it's just this very clinical looking um like it it's very modern and that's fine i just i would rather new companies have that and old companies keep their cool like older style looking logos yeah i mean i do love like the font of the street fighter games for like street fighter 2 right right Um, yeah but i i I thought this was a, an okay logo design. I, it, it didn't stand out as bad to me until the internet started getting upset about it. Um, I liked the, I like that it looks like it was spray painted or tagged on something. Like yeah. you can see this debris um, and it looks like the six at the bottom is like somebody just sprayed a six on it. Which, yeah. Like I, I like the streetness of it. Um, I love that there was like a hip hop energy to the teaser trailer announcing it um i think ryu is like ridiculously <laughs> bulky in this in a way that's like comical to me um and it just like 
it got me excited. I, I love Street Fighter. I got really into Street Fighter 4 when it first came out. And um, because I wasn't a huge, uh, a huge PS4 player, like, I don't think I ever played Street Fighter 5. Um, yeah, I, I played a bit of 5. I was, I'm not a huge fighting game player i but i also like i'll dabble in them if i can get them on sale or uh, i think we got street fighter 5 in one of the ps plus uh game monthly games and i played a bunch with my kids so it was it was fun like i i I enjoy them at a like kind of face value but i'm not i'm no uh fighting game player like i can't i don't have the coordination for it um (laughs) <laughs> but I do have friends that are huge into this, uh, like not Street Fighter specifically, but the fighting games scene. And uh, they I, I'm not sure. I, I don't even know their take on the Street Fighter. Um, the the trailer looked cool. I, I was even pumped for the trailer seeing mm-hmm. um, the bearded Ryu and uh, his uh, Hulk like state, whatever, uh, whatever he's on. I'm sure Chris Redfield gave him a little bit of, of a hand there. <laughs> <laughs> All of Capcom's protagonists are, are now thick boys. <laughs> it's I Can I just say, I hated Chris's transformation through the Resident Evil series. But this transformation for Ryu, I, I'm okay with. I like his super jack. I like the Hulk form for him. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's very it sells the he's going to give you the beat down of a lifetime. Um, so it, I'm, I'm, does, I'm good. With yeah. it. Um, there's going to be more news about it coming up in the summer. I do think it's interesting to, to say, um, as first pointed out by Art, this is from the article, as first pointed out by Ars Technica's, Technica's Aurich Lawson, uh, the Street Fighter 6 logo bears striking similarity to a logo design available throughout the Adobe stock image store available with an extended license for $80 and created by a user called X Cooley. <laughs> can, can I just say that this like bears a striking, it's, it's the, the same logo. <laughs> it's the I mean, it's almost same. like they like italicized it somehow yeah. or like angled it downwards a little more. Sharply. Yeah. But it's, but at that point, <laughs> have you changed anything? Like the font is identical with, with the exception of that slant for street fighter six and it's a little like they've reversed the uh, they've made the outside hexagon a little thinner mm-hmm. and added the six. I, I, I have one complaint about that six is the fact that, yeah, they have a spray paint style to it, but it's not a stencil. So therefore, whoever spray painted that six on had to delicately place that the the zero, the O part of the six Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just looks a little off for the the style they're going but i uh yeah no it's the same it's the same logo it's too funny that i felt as soon as i saw that i thought you know what some graphic designers get losing their job <laughs> i sh- i hope that it at least credits this person somehow or i don't know it's it, according to the article uh, it's a, a available as an Adobe Illustrator file, meaning alterations could presumably have easily been made to the original file, and the Adobe stock licenses do allow for modification and commercial use. Oh, 
All right. It well, appears yeah. to be used publicly before, uh, as pointed out by Twitter user 100 Jibe. Um, a different modified version could seemingly be used as a logo for the SF Connexion Sci-Fi Convention in France. Oh. Anyhow, I think it's fascinating. Um, oh my god. I just thought, hey, did you click that link and look at it? Look at that SF logo. Oh, it's the slowest logo. Oh my uh, god, it, it's also slanted the same way. It's it, it, The only difference is the F is slightly different than the Street Fighter's F. Yeah. Oh People man. People love this logo. Yeah. <laughs> X-Wing, you got Iron Man, yeah. you got a car, <laughs> you got a it's dollar. Just... <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> it's just, uh, oh man. It's the same. It's it reminds me of the uh, there's an old yeah the old uh, MG or um, uh, logo for cars. They they have oh they General have a, Motors GM. No not not GM. There's um oh. uh, MG like an MG is uh, oh I see this old now. old I'm British cars. Aware of this yeah. Yeah, so my dad actually he he rebuilds old he used to rebuild old British cars and he had an MG uh, MGA and uh, that was one of the first cars I remember riding around one of his sports cars that I rode around in and the logo for MG the MGs are are very similar it's the hexagon with the angled M and G yeah it's but, it's worth a Google uh, for the MG logo just to like be able to see how similar it is yeah uh, but um, that's that that gets into that sort of like mentality of like the very uh everybody's going like the, when you go with this sterile clean uh very uh minimalist look you lose your originality and i think that's my only complaint about it, it it's it doesn't scream street fighter to me anymore it screams uh, like, I don't know. Am I getting a beer? Am I driving? Am I getting a car with this? What am I? What is SF? Yeah. Uh, it, it tears away all of the identifying features. Um, yeah. The next story that I thought was really cool uh, and is just a real brief one is that near Automata is getting an anime adaptation from Toussaint Egan over at Polygon. Uh, I saw this breaking uh, on Twitter and, uh, I am not an enormous near. Are you an automata or automata person? I think it's technically. I, I would pronounce it automata, my pers- so, personally. Uh, I, I loved my first playthrough of that game, but I did not complete all of the following playthroughs. I got like halfway through Route B, um, maybe not even halfway. Um, but I've always meant to go back and play it and just knowing like how beloved the story of that game is. And I just think the character designs are lovely and, um, the world is cool. I think it's awesome that it's getting an anime adaptation. Um, yeah. it was announced during a fifth anniversary live stream because holy crap, 2017, the last goatee year of games was five years ago. I know, and that was that was an incredible. Like like I said earlier in the podcast, that it was an incredible year for games. It was, yeah. we got so many bangers, and uh, yeah, Nero Automata. I, I played the demo, never got to play the game, but I do believe it's on Game Pass right now. 
It so is. If anybody wants to give Neurotomata a try, uh, I've heard only good things. Yeah, I give it my endorsement, um, and I didn't even see like the meat of the game that people love story-wise. I just had a good time with the like vanilla first experience of it, um, and uh, have yet to go back. Um, the last story I want to jump on before we say goodbye for this episode uh, was a story that I saw going around. Uh, we're covering it from Polygon, uh, Austin Gols, Austin Goslin. That's a tough. Uh, <laughs> name to say. Um, says there won't be a new Call of Duty in 2023, says report is the headline. Um, it sounds like Treyarch's next game will not arrive in 2023. Uh, while this year's is still on track, the next year's has been delayed and will not release in 2023, according to a report from Bloomberg. Um, it will be, this year's going to be a new Modern Warfare, uh, developed by Infinity Ward, and um, they'll also be doing a Warzone follow-up, but uh, it sounds like we are not getting a new Call of Duty in 2023. Um, Good. <laughs> I, I think they need to put a bit of distance between them. I don't know. I I find like that sort of releasing the same game, essentially the same game every year with us. Like I know the story, you get a bit more different story, right? But Let's be honest, a lot of the players aren't playing it for the story. They're just playing it for the multiplayer. And when you just release the same game every year, it I don't know. It lo- like it lost its appeal to me because of this years ago. Like I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the second one, the modern the first Modern Warfare way back when <laughs> it was on PS3 and I used to play it all the time with my buddies and then they're like, "Oh, well, now we got to get uh the second version of modern warfare and then we got to get the next and i was just like wait what it's the same game like what why are we doing this and i immediately fell off because i just didn't have the interest in buying a yearly game that uh that just felt i don't know it 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 didn't change enough of the game for me to be interested so i feel like and i felt like that's what happened to assassin's creed is Mm -hmm. they started releasing them every year and it was just like uh, not is whenever somebody said, Oh, there's an assassin creed news. I lost interest immediately. And so I feel like that's whenever somebody says, Oh, here, did you hear the call of duty news? I just, I don't care. <laughs> but, yeah. um, so I, I think it's good that they're getting a bit of distance between their releases. Yeah. I'm also team get away from annualization uh, as much as possible, especially now that they have Warzone as that platform for the multiplayer yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of give some more breathing room. Um, I do want to say the story that we referenced does have an update at the bottom saying Activision has responded to Bloomberg's report with a statement from a spokesperson, quote, we have an exciting slate of premium and free-to-play Call of Duty experiences for this year, next year, and beyond. Reports of anything otherwise are incorrect. We look forward to sharing more details when the time is right. Uh, so when when they're not getting uh, all of the uh, the hate from everybody because they're bad company. Who knows when that'll be? Perhaps after the Xbox acquisition, the Microsoft yeah. acquisition. How oh is Bobby Kodak still in? I just ah oh, man, he blows my he's mind. Still- He's going to be there until the 
the so full acquisition takes over. Yeah. And he gets a nice payday. I heard he's getting a nice, like, what, some absurd amount of money payday. Yes, for... he'll have a lovely parachute. Yeah. Oh, uh, as they say in the biz. <laughs> oh, um, man. Anyhow, that's going to do it for uh, this high, holy, from soft holiday episode <laughs> of the Mostly Normal Gamers podcast. Um, James, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Um, Thank you for having me. Would you please let people know where they can keep up with you and your content on the internet? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at, at ButLordPrimus. Uh, <laughs> very mature name. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitch because I stream on Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, 8 o'clock-ish um, till about 10, 10.30, 11, depending. Uh, and uh, my Twitch handle is twitch.tv slash blp entertainment blp entertainment uh, <laughs> awesome uh, you can find me at vg occasion on twitter uh, i've been a little more active lately and uh i've been updating my location as to where i am in yarnum <laughs> so <laughs> um i uh or at least trying to um and uh if you want to contribute to the content, you can send emails to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at mngamerspodcast. Uh, sign up for Mostly Normal Monthly if it ever comes back at mngamers.substack.com. And please, on your podcast platform of choice, leave us a five-star review. Spotify now has reviews. Apple Podcasts has reviews. I'm sure other platforms do as well. That really helps with discoverability. And I know John mentioned that when the show is going up on Spotify, it is accompanied by uh, some sort of poll that you can fill out. Uh, I am not on Spotify anymore, so I am not able to verify that with my own eyes. But uh, give that a check out too. Uh, for now, that's going to do it for the show. And now go play one of the bountiful open world games that February has brought to us. Peace out, everyone. Uh, so for me... Um, it was always EB games and I stopped going there for years ago, but when I was young, we went to EB games and one day we saw Mario strikers on display for the GameCube, and me and my buddies like just picked up like the test controllers, started messing around. The next thing I knew, I bought it and we were doing like all nighters at my place, just playing strikers all night and just having an absolute blast. That game was so much fun and it's so... I, I I allowed its simplicity, and that's the thing. Like for me, simplicity in games, there's so much you can do with just a simple, like really well tuned mechanics that work way better than overly complicated, detailed mechanics in a game. I just love the you nail that sim simple gameplay loop. Oh, it's beautiful. That's all you need. Yeah. I skipped out on it because I felt like it reviewed mediocrely or something and i'm like i was a religious egm kid oh and yeah so like if something wasn't 
blowing the socks off of EGM. I, or maybe at that point it might've been one up.com, but like, yeah, I, I skipped over it and I, I loved Mario tennis on N64 and just completely like chose not to give strikers a, a second glance. And part of that is I, I had a bad experience with soccer. I, it just wasn't like really my sport. Most hundred percent sport growing up. Yeah, I get it. Um, anyways, uh, I started recording a minute and oh, a half shit. ago because you were, uh, I wanted to capture that story because you are just so good at uh, spinning those yarns about games. And I didn't want to <laughs> out on it. Um, but the official podcast recording is going to start right now. 